Part One, Chapter Five B of the Adventures of Jimmy Dale. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Adventures of Jimmy Dale by Frank L. Packard, reading by Lars Rolander. Part One: The Man in the Case. Chapter Five B, the affair of the pushcart man concluded. In the subway station, Jimmy Dale read the letter, read it twice over, as he always read those strange epistles of her that opened the door to new peril, new danger to the Gray Seal, but too that seemed somehow to draw tighter in a glad big way the unseen bond between them read it as he always read those letters almost subconsciously committing the very words to memory with that keen faculty of brain of his but now as he began to tear the sheet and envelope into minute particles a strained hard look was on his face and in his eyes and his lips half parted moved a little it's a death warrant muttered jimmie dale i I guess tonight we'll see the end of the Gray Seal. She says I needn't do it, but I guess it's worth the risk. A human life. A downtown express roared into the station. What time is it? Jimmy Dale asked the guard as he stepped forward. About midnight, the man answered tersely. The forward car was almost empty, and Jimmy Dale chose a seat by himself. How did she know? How did she know not only this, but the hundred other affairs that she had outlined in those letters of hers? By what means, superhuman indeed, it seemed, did she, Jimmy Dale, jerk himself erect suddenly? What good did it do to speculate on that now, when every minute was priceless? What was he to do? How was he to act? What plan could he formulate and carry out and win against odds that, at the outset, were desperate enough even to forecast almost certain failure and death? Who would ever have suspected old Tom Ludgate, known for years throughout the squalor of the East Side as old Luddy, the pushcart man, of having a bag of unset diamonds under his pillow, or under the sack? rather, that he probably used for a pillow. What a queer thing to do! But then old Luddy was a character, apparently always in the most poverty-stricken condition, apparently hardly more than keeping body and soul together, trusting no one, and obsessed by the dread that, by depositing in a bank, someone would discover that he had money, and attempt to force it from him. He had put his savings, year after year, for twenty years, twenty-five years perhaps, into unset stone diamonds. How had she found that out? Jimmy Dale sank into a deeper reverie. He could steal them all right, and they would be well worth the stealing. Old Luddy had done well, and lived and existed on next to nothing. The stones, she said, were worth about fifteen thousand dollars. Not so bad, even for twenty-five years of vegetable selling from a pushcart. He could steal them all right. 
it would tax the gray seal's ingenuity little to do so simple a thing as that but that was not all nor indeed hardly a factor in it it was vital that if he were to succeed at all he must steal them publicly as it were and after that what his own chances were pretty slim at best jimmie dale staring at the grayness of the subway wall through the window shook his head slowly then with a queer little philosophical shrug of his shoulders he smiled gravely seriously it was all a part of the game all a part of the life of the gray seal it was half-past twelve or a little later as nearly as he could judge for larry the bat carried no such ornate thing in evidence as a watch as he halted at the corner of a dark squalid street in the lower east side it was a miserable locality in daylight humming with a cosmopolitan hive of pitiful humans dragging out as best they could an intolerable existence a locality peopled with every nationality on earth their community of interest the struggle to maintain life at the lowest possible expenditure where necessity even was parred and shaved down to a minimum but now at night time or rather in the early morning hours the darkness in very mercy it seemed covered it with a veil as it were and in the quiet that hung over it now hid the bold the hideous eye and the piteous too from view it was a narrow street and the row of tenement houses each house almost identical with its neighbor that flanked the pavement on either side seemed from where jimmie dale stood looking down its length from the corner to converge together at a point a little way beyond giving it an unreal ominous cavern-like effect and too there seemed something ominous even in its quiet it was as though one sensed acutely the crouching of something in its lair waiting silently viciously with sullen patience a footstep sounded another jimmie dale drew quickly back around the corner into an areaway two men passed in helmets swinging their nightsticks that beat was always policed in pairs they passed on turned the corner and went down the narrow cross street that jimmie dale had just been inspecting he started to follow and drew back again abruptly a form flitted suddenly across the road and disappeared in the darkness in the officer's wake ten yards behind the first another followed at the same interval of distance still another and yet still one more four in all the darkness hid all six the two policemen the four men behind them the only sounds were the officers footsteps dying away in the distance jimmie dale's fingers were mechanically testing the mechanism of the automatic in his pocket and the skeeter's gang he muttered to himself red mose the midget harv toms and the skeeter the worst apaches in the city of new york death contractors the lowest bidders professional assassins and a man's life any time for twenty-five dollars i wonder i've never done it yet 
but I wonder if it would be a crime in God's sight if one shot to kill. Jimmy Dale was at the corner again. Again the street before him was black, deserted, empty. He chose the right-hand side, and, well in the shadow of the houses, as an extra precaution, stole along silently. He stopped finally before one where, in the doorway, hung a little sign. Jimmy Dale mounted the porch, and with his eyes close to the sign could just make out the larger words in the big printed type. Room to rent. Top floor. Jimmy Dale nodded. That was right. The first house on the right-hand side, with a room to rent sign, her letter had said. His fingers were testing the doorknob. The door was not locked. Naturally, it wouldn't be locked, Jimmy Dale told himself grimly, and stepped inside. He stood for an instant without movement, every faculty on the alert. Far up above him, a step, guarded though his trained eye made it out to be, creaked faintly upon the stairs. There was no other sound. The creaking, almost inaudible as its loudest, receded farther up and silence fell. In the darkness, noiselessly, Jimmy Dale groped for the stairway, found it, and began to ascend. The minutes passed. It seemed a minute even from step to step, and there were three flights to the top. There must be no creaking this time. The slightest sound he knew well enough would be not only fatal to the work he had to do, but probably fatal to himself as well. He had been near death many times. The consciousness that he was nearer to it now, possibly, than he had ever been before, seemed to stimulate his senses into acute and abnormal energy. And, too, the physical effort, as step by step, the flexed muscles relaxing so slowly, little by little, gradually, each time as he found foothold on the step higher up was a terrific strain. At the top his face was bathed in perspiration, and he wiped it off with his coat sleeve. It was still dark here, intensely dark, and his eyes, though grown accustomed to it, could make out nothing but the deeper shadow of the walls. But thanks to her, always a mistress of accurate and minute detail, he possessed a mental plan of his surroundings. The head of the stairs gave on the middle of the hallway. The hallway ran to his right and left. To his right, on the opposite side of the hall, was the door of old Luddy's squalid two-room apartment. For a moment Jimmy Dale stood hesitant, a sudden perplexity and anxiety growing upon him. It was strange. What did it mean? He had nerved himself to a quick, desperate attempt, trusting to surprise and his own wit and agility for victory. There had seemed no other way than that, since he had seen those four men at the corner, since they were ahead of him. True, they were not much ahead of him, not enough to have accomplished their purpose, and furthermore, they were not in that room. He knew that absolutely, beyond question of doubt. 
he had listened for just that all the nerve-wracking way up the stairs but where were they there was no sound not a sound just blackness dark impenetrable utter that began to palpitate now it came in a whisper wavering sibilant from his left a sort of relief fierce in the breaking of the tense expectancy premonitory in the possibilities that it held swept Jimmie Dale. he crept along the hall the whisper had come from that room presumably empty that was for rent by the door he crouched his sensitive fingers eyes to Jimmie Dale so often feeling over jamb and panels with a delicate soundless touch the door was just ajar the fingers crept inside and touched the knob and lock there was no key within the whispering still went on but it seemed like a screaming of vultures now in Jimmie Dale's ears as the words came to him ow oh, say skeeter dis highbrow stunt gives me de pip me fear going in der and croaking de geese regular without the drills who's to know say just about two minutes and we're beating it with the sparklers an inch a half inch at a time the knob slowly very very slowly turning the door was being closed by the crouched form on the threshold close your trap mouse came a fierce response we ain't fixed the lay all day for nothing there ain't a soul on earth knows he's got any sparklers except us if there was it would be different then they'd know that was what whoever did it was after see the door was closed the knob slowly very very slowly being released again from one of the leather pockets under jimmie dale's vest came a tiny steel instrument that he inserted in the keyhole the same voice spoke on that's what we're croaking him for cause nobody knows about them diamonds and so's he can't tell anybody afterwards that any were pinched and that's why it's got to look like he's just got tired of living and did it himself i guess that'll hold the police when they find the poor old duck hanging from the ceiling with a bit of cord around his neck and a chair kicked out from under his feet on the floor ain't you got the brains of a louse to see that sure the whisper came dully in grudging intonation through the panels the door was locked sure but it's de hanging round waiting to get busy that's getting me goat and jimmie dale straightened up and began to retreat along the corridor a merciless rage was upon him now every fibre of his being seemed to tingle and quiver with it the damnable hellish ingenuity of it all seemed to choke and suffocate him luck muttered jimmie dale between his clenched teeth oh the blessed luck to get that door locked i've got time now to set the stage for my own getaway before the showdown he stole along the corridor excerpts from her letter were running through his brain it would do no good to warn him jimmy 
the skeeter and his gang would never let up on him until they got the stones it would do no good for you to steal them first for they would only take that as a ruse of old luddies and murder the man first and hunt afterward in some way you must let skeeter see you steal them make them think make them certain that it is a bona fide theft so that they will no longer have any interest or any desire to do old luddy harm and for it to appear real to them it must appear real to old luddy himself do not take any chances there jimmie dale's eyes narrowed yes it was simple enough now with that pack of hell's wolves guarded for the moment by the locked door forced to give him warning by breaking the door before they could get out it was simple enough now to enter old luddy's room steal the stones at the revolver point then make enough disturbance when he was ready to set the gang in motion and as they rushed in open him to make his escape with the stones to the roof through luddy's room that was simple enough there was an opening to the roof in luddy's room she had said and there was a ladder kept there in place on hot nights it seemed the old man used to go up there and sleep on the roof not now of course it was too late in the year for that but the opening in the roof was there and the ladder remained there too yes it was simple enough now and the next morning the papers would rave with execrations against the gray seal for the robbery of the life savings of a poor defenceless old man for committing as vile and pitiful crime as had ever stirred new york even carruthers of the morning news argus would be moved to bitter attack good old carruthers who little thought that the gray seal was his old college pal his present most intimate friend jimmie dale and afterward after the next morning well that at least had never been in doubt old luddy could be made to leave new york and once away with the skeeter and his gang robbed of incentive to pay any further attention to him the stones could be secretly returned to the old man and it would to the public to the police be just another of the gray seal's crimes that was all jimmie dale had reached old luddy's door the gray seal oh yes they would know it was the gray seal the insignia was familiar enough familiar to the crooks of the underworld who held it in awe familiar to the police to whom it was an added barb of ridicule he was placing it now that insignia a diamond-shaped gray paper seal on the panel of the door and now a black silk mask adjusted over his face jimmie dale bent to insert the little steel instrument in the lock a pitiful paltry thing a cheap lock to fingers that could play so intimately with twirling knobs and dials masters of the intricate mechanism of vaults and safes and then about to open the door a sort of sudden dismay fell upon him he had not thought of that somehow it had not occurred to him what was it they were waiting for why had they not struck at once as when he had first entered the house he had supposed they would do what was it why was it was old luddy out 
Were they waiting for his return? Or what? The door without sound moved gradually under his hand. A faint odor assailed his nostrils. It was dark, very dark. Across the room, in a direct line, was the doorway to the inner room. She had explained that in her letter. It was slow progress to cross that room without sound, in silence. It was a snail's movement, for fear that even a muscle might crack. And now he stood in the inner doorway. It was dark here, too, and yet, how bizarre, a star seemed to twinkle through the very roof of the room itself. The odor was pungent now. There was a long-drawn sigh, then a low, indescribable sound of movement. Somebody, apart from old Luddy, was in the room. It swept the full consciousness of it upon Jimmie Dale in an instantaneous flash. Chloroform, the open scuttle in the roof, the waiting of those others, all fused into a compact logical whole. They had loosened the scuttle during the day, probably when old Luddy was away. One of them had crept down there now to chloroform the old man into insensibility. The others would complete the ghastly work presently by stringing their victim up to the ceiling. And it would be suicide, for long before morning came, long before the old man would be discovered, the fumes of the chloroform would be gone. It seemed like a cold hand, death-like, clutching at his heart. Was he too late, after all? Chloroform alone could kill. To the right, just a little to the right, he must make no mistake. His ear placed the sound. He whipped his hands from his side pockets of his coat. The ray of his flashlight cut across the room and fell upon an aged face upon a bed, upon a hand clutching a wad of cloth. The cloth pressed horribly against the nose and mouth of the upturned face, and then, roaring in the stillness, splitting a vicious lane of fire that paralleled the flashlight's ray, came the tongue flame of his automatic. There was a yell, a scream that echoed out, reverberated, and went racketing through the house, and Jimmy Day leaped forward over a table, sending it crashing to the floor. The man had reeled back against the wall, clutching at the shattered wrist, staring into the flashlight's eye, white-faced, jaw-dropped, lips working in mingled pain and fear. "'Harve Tom's you, eh?' gritted Jimmy Dale. A cunning look swept the distorted face. Here apparently was only one man. There were pals, three of them, only a few yards away. "'You ain't got nothing on me,' he snarled, sparring for time. "'You police are too damned fresh with your guns.' "'I'll take yours,' snapped Jimmy Dale, and snatched it deftly from the other's pocket. "'This ain't any police job, my bucko, and you make a move and I'll drop you for keeps. If what you've got already ain't enough to teach you to keep your hands off jobs that belong to your betters.' He was working with mad haste as he spoke. One minute at the outside was perhaps all he could count upon. Already he had caught the rattle of the locked door down the hall. He lit a match and turned on the gas over the bed. It was the most dangerous thing he could do, he 
He knew that well enough. No one knew it better. It was offering himself as a fair mark when the others rushed in, as they would in a moment now. But the Skeeter and his gang, and this man here, must have no misconception of his purpose, his reason for being there, the same as their own, the theft of the stones, and no misconception as to his success. "'He ain't the police!' It came in a shocked gasp from the other, as he blinked in the sudden light. "'Say, then!' "'Shut up!' ordered Jimmy Dale curtly. "'And mind what I told you about moving!' He leaned over the bed. Old Luddy, though under the influence of the chloroform, was moving restlessly. Toms had evidently only begun to apply the chloroform. Old Luddy was safe. Jimmy Dale ran his hand in under the pillow. "'If you ain't swiped them already, they ought to be here,' he growled. "'And if you have, I'll—ah!' A little chamois bag was in his hand. He laughed sneeringly at Toms, opened the bag, allowed a few stones to trickle into his hand, and then, without stopping to replace them, dashed stones and bag into his pocket. The door along the corridor crashed open. "'What's that?' he gasped out, in well-simulated fright, and sprang for the ladder that led up to the roof. It had all taken perhaps the minute that he had counted on, no more. Noises came from the floors below now, a confusion of them. The shot, the scream, had been heard by others, save those who had been in the locked room, and the latter were outside now in the corridor, running to their accomplices' aid. There was a pause at the outer door, then an oath, and coupled with the oath an exclamation, THE GREY SEAL! They had swept a flashlight over the door panel. Jimmy Dale, halfway up the ladder, smiled grimly. The door opened. There was a rush of feet. The man with the shattered wrist yelled, cursing wildly. Here he is, on the ladder. Let him have it. Fill him full of holes. Jimmy Dale was in the light. They were in the dark of the outer room. He fired at the threshold, checking the rush as a hail of bullets chipped and tore at the ladder and spat wickedly against the wall. He swung through to the roof, trying as he did so to kick the ladder loose behind him. It was fastened. The three gunmen jumped into the room. From the roof Jimmy Dale got a glimpse of them below as he flung himself clear of the opening. Bullets whistled through the aperture. A voice roared up as he gained his feet. Come on after him. The whole place is alive, but this lets us out. We can frame up how we came to be here easy enough. Never mind the old geezer there any more. Get the grey seal. The reward that's out for him is worth twice the sparklers and... Jimmy Dale hurled the cover of the scuttle. He could have stood them off from above and kept the ladder clear with his revolver. But the alarm seemed general now. Windows were opening. Voices were calling to one another from the windows across the street. He must stand out in sharp outline against the sky. Yes, he was seen now. A woman's voice from a top-story window across the street screamed out, high-pitched in excitement. Oh, there he is! There he is! On the roof there! Jimmy Dale started on the run along the roof. The houses built wall-to-wall, flat-roofed, seemed to offer an open course ahead of him until a lane or an intersecting street should bar his way. But they were not quite all on the same level. 
though the wall of the next house rose suddenly breast-high in front of him he flung himself up regained his feet and ducked instantly behind the chimney the crack of a revolver echoed through the night a bullet drummed through the air the skeeter and his gang were on the roof now dashing forward firing as they ran two shots from jimmie dale's automatic in quick succession cooled their ardor of their rush and they broke black flitting forms for the shelter of chimneys too and now the whole neighborhood seemed awakened a dull-toned roar as from some great gulf below rolled up from the street a medley of slamming windows the rush of feet as people poured from the houses cries shouts and yells and high over all the shrill call of the police patrol whistle and the crack 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 of the skeeter's revolver shots the skeeter and his hellhounds for one self-appointed allies of the law twice again jimmie dale fired then crouching running low he zigzagged his way across the next roof the bullets followed him once more his pursuers dashed forward and again jimmie dale his face set like stone now his breath coming in hard gasps dodged behind a chimney and with his gun checked the rush for the third time he glanced about him and with a growing sense of disaster saw that two houses farther on the stretch of roof appeared to end there would be a lane or a street there and in another minute or two if it were not already the case others would be following the gunman to the roof and then he would be he caught his breath suddenly in a queer little strangled cry of relief just back of him a few yards away his eyes made out what in the darkness seemed to be a glass skylight a dark form spread like a deeper shadow across the black in front of him making for a chimney nearby closing in the rain jimmie dale fired wide tight as was the corner he was in little as was the mercy deserved at his hands he could not after all bring himself to shoot to kill a voice the skeeters bawled out raciously rush him altogether from different sides at once a backward leap jimmie dale's boot was crashing glass and frame stamping at it desperately making a hole for his body through the skylight a yell a chorus of them answered this then the crunch of racing feet on the gravel roof he emptied his revolver sweeping the darkness with a semicircle of vicious flashes it seemed an hour it was barely the fraction of a second as he hung by his hands from the side of the skylight frame his body swinging back and forth in the unknown blackness below the skylight might be probably was directly over the stairwell and open clear to the basement of the house but it was his only chance he swung his body well out let go and dropped with the impetus he smashed against a wall was flung back from it in a sort of rebound and his hands closed gripping fiercely on banisters it had been the stairwell beyond any question of doubt but his swinging had sent him clear of it above they had not yet reached the skylight jimmie dale snatched a precious moment to listen as he rose and found himself apart from bruises perhaps unhurt there was commotion too in this house below the alarm had extended and spread along the block 
but the commotion was all in the front of the house, and the street was the lure. Jimmie Dale started down the stairs, and in an instant he had gained the landing. In another he had slipped to the rear of the hall, somewhere there, from the hall itself, from one of the rear rooms, there must be an exit to the fire escape. To attempt to leave by the front way was certain capture. They were yelling, shouting down now through the skylight above. As Jimmie Dale softly raised the window sash at the rear of the hall, the fire escape was there. Shouts from along the corridor, from the tenement dwellers who had been crowding their neighbors' rooms, crashing their necks probably from the front windows, answered the shouts now from the roof and the skylight. Doors opened, forms rushed out, but it was dark in the corridor, only murky yellow at the upper end from the open doors. Jimmy Dale slipped through the window to the fire escape, and, working cautiously, silently, but with the speed of a trained athlete, made his way down. At the bottom he dropped from the iron platform into the backyard, ran for the fence, and climbed over it into a lane on the other side. And then, as he ran, Jimmy Dale snatched the mask from his face and put it in his pocket. He was safe now. He swept the sweet drops from his forehead with the back of his hand, noticing them for the first time. It had been close, almost as close for him as it had been for old Luddy. And tomorrow the papers would execrate the Grey Seal. He smiled a little wanly. His breath was still coming hard. Presently they would score the lane, when they found that their quarry was not in the house. What a racket they were making! The whole district seemed roused, like a swarm of angry bees. He kept on along the lane, and dodged suddenly into a cross-street, where the two intersected. The clang of a bell dinned discordantly in his ears. A patrol wagon swept by him, racing for the scene of the disturbance. The riot call was out. Again Jimmy Dale smiled wearily, passing his hand across his eyes. I guess, said Jimmy Dale, I'm pretty near all in, and I guess it's time that Larry the Bat went home. And a little later, a figure turned from the Bowery and shambled down the cross street, a disreputable figure, with hands plunged deep in his pockets, and a shadow across the roadway suddenly shifted its position as the shambling figure slouched into the black alleyway and entered the tenement's side door. And Larry the Bat smiled softly to himself. Klein's men were still on guard. End of Part 1, Chapter 5b of The Adventures of Jimmy Dale by Frank L. Packard Read by Lars Rolander